0: Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherds Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching.
1: Good morning, guys. Adam, I'm going to have to move this just a little bit. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Okay. You still good? Actually, I don't even want this up here yet. So, I am back from the little sabbatical. Uh, a couple of people have asked me when they're going to hear about that. It'll be next week at the family meeting. So, uh, make sure that you keep that on your plans. We'll talk about that then in the service today as well. But we'll continue the sermon series for now. <coughs> and uh, as you, most of you guys know, we're going through a series of kind of hitting some majors that are kind of hodgepodge a little bit in spiritual growth. Hi, Don. I didn't even see you sneaking over there. How you doing, buddy? Uh good to be seen. <laughs> then I'll stay with you often as I preach. Um, but the, um, and as we are going through several different ones, the, the one thing we always have to go back and gauge by is our mission, is the Great Commission, what God has called us to do, commandment wise. So with the help of Chris, we're going to put that up for you. Most of you guys have known this. Uh, Matthew 28 is some of the last words that Jesus gave us before he left the planet and sent it back up into heaven, where he commands us to, by his power, by his authority, uh, and with him being with us. Uh, Surely to the end of the age, to take and lead people to Jesus, to baptize them, and to disciple one another. is basically what that breaks down to into the verbiage that we've been using for the last uh, couple years. And we've spent a lot of time on discipleship over the last couple years with sprinklings of baptism and sprinklings of evangelism and how to take and tell other people about Jesus Christ. Uh, Baptism. Uh, We've talked about, especially when we have baptisms, and just a side note, a lot of times I get asked when are we doing our next baptisms because someone's thinking about getting baptized. We would do the next baptisms when you come up and say, I want to be baptized. It's not a a schedule thing, and usually when one person does it, a couple other people will say, hey, I've got some questions too, and we have a great celebration. Uh, But that's how that works. So if you have accepted Jesus as leader and forgiving your life, and have not yet followed him in the righteousness of baptism, touch base and we go from there it's just that crazy uh evangelism wise we bring up in sprinklings all the time because it's important uh it's part of our mission to be leading people to jesus and to be sharing the gospel message that if you accept jesus by acknowledging with your mouth he's the son of god and believing you already died and rose again you're god i'm not i want to follow you then you are saved and people need to hear that message we i think assume a little bit too much in our culture that people generally know that message and I'm telling you this point my ministry they don't we've heard the word Christian we've heard the word Jesus we know generally some stuff from the Hallmark movies but I, I have talked to people who sat in this room with me taking and sharing that message almost every week for years and they still won't have that light bulb moment and we'll be talking to Panera and they're like well I don't know how to if you acknowledge with your mouth you know, like, we just go right back into it. People don't know the gospel message, or they have not heart connected with it. So what I want to talk to you about today is evangelism and how to share uh, Christ with others in your mission fields where God has you. Uh, and I know, uh, okay, let me ask this. How many people find sharing Jesus with others in, different, in certain environments a little bit scary? Okay, okay, why? Tell me some reasons why. You who just raised your hand, I know. David, you, you can just shout out, right, baby. All right. Afraid of being judged. Afraid of being judged. Gotcha. What else? Not the right words. Not the right words? Okay. They won't listen. They won't listen? Not a relationship with the person. Not a relationship with the person. We'll talk about that today. Lose, my Lose job. your job? Fear. Afraid of repercussions? Fear? Fear? Okay. Okay. Come on, Strime. Me? Yeah, you're being sassy today, so you get to be part of the TSF players today. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna act out some of these scenarios. You ready? No. No, come on. Allie too. No, Ali won't come up anyway. Well, I, I, I keep me Because you
0: had me just pushing the all like this, and you weren't going anywhere.
1: But it was powerful. Oh are well, we doing? You're powerful. Okay. So let's let's do the fear one first. Okay. So I'm go- in all cases, I will be the evangelism person, and you'll be the lost soul that I'll oh. pray for like Perfect, every the time. Good. Okay. Well, yeah, you have to play along. So we're gonna do the fear one. I so I'm going to say hi to you, you say hi back. I say, do you know Jesus? And then you punch me as hard as you can in the face. Yes, okay. Because that's what okay. usually happens. Okay, hurt, yeah. you look a little bit too. <laughs> let's try this, let's try this. I say hi, Okay. you say hi. Okay. I say, do you, do you know Jesus? Nice. And then you hit me with like the strength of a Bengals player, so it doesn't hurt. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'll do this. I'm not actually going to let you hit me, but all I'm saying is, no one's going to hit you if you take an ass. Ask them about Jesus or talk. um, The worst case scenario that you probably get is, yeah, I'm just not really into talking about that that's what you mostly get uh... the one the the worst one that i've had is uh... i remember like we have these need prayer cards out in the foyer if you've not seen them you can take as many as you want and i use them usually with like uh, tipping at restaurants if you use one though, tip well don't, don't be like here's three cents if you need prayer because you're in poverty uh, but or like cashiers this is when conversation comes up with not. and i was talking to a cashier at dollar general uh, one of the many dollar stores around here that are now seventeen dollars to buy anything um, the, um, and the cashier was telling me about some stuff she was going through with her family. And I said, well, I'm going, I'll, I'll, I'll be praying about that. Or I'll, I'll talk to my church, I'll be praying about that. And I gave her one of these cards and I said, and just in case you need to tailor it or anything, to, ways to get it in the back. And she, like, with a really angry face, ripped the half and says, I don't believe in prayer. And I said, well, I do, so we'll be praying for you. And if you need anything, let us know. It's it's not going to be anything super scary. That's about the worst you're going to get. Okay. So it's like I I I'm trying to remember like okay. So let's say they ask you a hard question. Okay. Hi. Hi.
0: Hi.
1: Do you know about Jesus? No. Ask, okay. Ask me a really hard question.
0: Why do good? Why does God let good things or bad things happen to good people?
1: I'll check in on that and get back with you. <laughs> That's the worst oh case God. scenario. No. Let's see what was the other one? So lose job. That that yours? Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with it. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> well, that's a tough one. That is a tough, that's one, a tough one because for teachers and for those that are working counseling and those type of things, that, that can be a tough one. And the Holy Spirit will lead you through that. I Absolutely believe that. I've I've heard testimony, 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 of how counselors and teachers have changed people's lives because the Spirit moves even throughout the restrictions of, of man. So, uh, and I do know some people that were in situations where they lost their job to do what they felt the Spirit was calling them to do. Now if you look through all the New Testaments you're gonna see that sometimes too. So that's a tough one to navigate. What's yeah. the other one? Is there anything else you guys said? We'll be cushions. Yeah. I had this won't take me a long. Time. Okay. Sorry. I had a guy come up to me and was talking to me, you know, he had like he had the beard and he had the camo and stuff and he's he just talking away and he's telling me about some of his problems and I said, Well no, do you go to church? And he looked at me and he said, Oh, you one of the people who believes in that crap?
0: I looked at him. And I said, "You know what? I said, give it a shot. I said, maybe a lot of
1: your problems will go away. I said, worst that could happen is you decide that you're not into it." So you didn't die from that. You didn't have a heart attack from that. They didn't, didn't publicly you. ridicule you. He okay. You just kind of stepped back. like, Oh, "You believe in that crap?" I think, "What?" Because I'm a Christian. And all of a sudden, I got like. Okay, so let's do that one, okay? You, uh, <coughs> did you believe in that crap? Okay, you ready? Okay. Hey. Hi. Do you know about Jesus?
0: Oh, do you believe in that crap?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that scary. Now, Mary, Mary had a good one. Here, you get the ripped card award for standing up for Christ. Yeah, yeah, Put tape it back together first. Well, I just gave him a new one. Um, and Mary brought up a good one as far as, like, I don't have a relationship with them or I don't know them. Uh, we're going to talk about that. That's the only reason I didn't put it in the examples today. So let me get upside up. And I want to go through three different testimonies with you today. Uh, the first one is going to be in John. So if you will get your Bibles out, we're going to head over to John chapter 1. And we're going to look at um, different scenarios. So I want to look at... Uh, One, where someone is witnessing to somebody that they know and that they know well, that they have a relationship with. Second one we're going to look at is going to be witnessing to a stranger. uh, Because uh, there there is, I'll tell you, relational evangelism, people that you know, is one of the most powerful by far evangelistic opportunities you have. But it's not the only. And I've heard people say, well, I can't share Jesus with them because I haven't known that right yet. That's crap. And we're going to look at that in one of the testimonies as well, as Michelle throws things on the side of the room. Getting angry, I see, okay. You wanted her to punch me in the face, didn't you? A little bit. (laughs) And then uh, the last one we're gonna look at, um, most of you probably think is outside your range, but God might call you to, so we're getting into that as well. But starting out, we're gonna talk about Andrew and um, his brother Peter. And when Andrew uh, first finds Jesus, and then brings Peter to him as well. So in John chapter 1, and we're going to read a little. And you're going to say, talk a little, but I'm going to list a little. We're going to give you some different lists today. So if you're a note taker, get ready to go. So if, uh, chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. So this is John the Baptist and two of his disciples. The two disciples of John the Baptist heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. We, we've heard this uh, when we're looking at the four chairs, moving from chair one to chair, chair two. Come and see. So they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew. So Andrew was initially John the Baptist's disciple, and then started following Jesus. And he is Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41, uh, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Okay, so here we have someone leading someone to Jesus that has a relational uh, aspect to it, which in many cases, like I said, is easier, and in many cases is scarier because if you're worried about rejection or the way that they'll act or the way that things will go or how they'll look at you, doing that for somebody that you care about... Uh, can be just as scary as doing it with, with someone who's a stranger. So looking at this, I just want to bring out a few points. Chris, if you'll put that up for me. That when you're in a relational situation with evangelism, there's a few steps to, uh, to, to slap down to think about that often times come up in a situation. First one is raise the flag. And if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me talk about raising the flag before. You will, if you are living a life of Christ, Either intentionally or unintentionally raise the flag at some point in that relationship. Raising the flag is simply somehow, some way, you have made it clear that you are a Christian and now they're watching you. Uh, last week at church, raise the flag. Uh, when I was reading the Bible the other day, raise the flag. Uh, hey, I'm a Jesus freak, raise the flag. You wear a t shirt, you put something on your car, you're raising the flag. Um, that, that's, that's natural and it's awesome. And most of us are comfortable doing it. I would ask if you're going to raise the flag in any way, shape, or form, live it. Because everybody has enough hypocrites in their past. Enough hypocrites. So once you raise the flag, you are a witness for Jesus if you like it or not. So raising the flag is just saying, hey, I, I, I can be somebody who can be watched. And then you're living it so that they believe it. And again, for most of us, um, I think raising the flag is it, going to probably happen pretty naturally. Um, living it can be tougher for some than, t- than others, um, and it can almost be intimidating knowing the fact that people do see you and whatever secrets you think you have, more than likely you do not have, uh, and people are aware, but so people are looking for the real deal. Um, but other people are pretty comfortable with that. You know I'm, a, I'm decent decently in good shape. I'm nicer than other people. I help the little lady across the street, whatever the case may be. I didn't wrap up any prayer card. Uh, what, whatever it is, you're living it. But then the third step is where they get intimidated because if you ever heard anybody say, well, you can tell people about Jesus, but I'll show them in my life. That's kind of true because if you're going to talk to them about Jesus and you're a hypocrite, like in major ways, they're not going to listen to you. So it, it, it's, it's over anyways. But if all you do is live it and you're not speaking it, they have no clue because you really aren't raising the flag that much. Yeah, they go to church and they're a nice person. There's a lot of people who don't really have any relationship with Jesus that go to church and they are nice people. So it's got to be a trifecta of all three. When we see here, when Andrew is pulling Peter in, he, he's checking it out. He's taking it and goes, dude, you're not going to believe this. So he's been living a life because he's a disciple of John the Baptist. Peter knows that he's been seeking as well as he's been seeking. And now I've got the answer, and I want you to come and see too. We see it moving in several different ways. So if you're raising the flag, they're now watching you. You're giving a lifestyle that honors Christ and also gives you a, a reason to be believed. Then, as you follow the Spirit, you're going to find ways to bring the gospel message into it. I uh, put some examples there of Um I remember there was one time back in my early 20s, I was working at an insurance company and a, a guy that I kind of knew, he was only there for a few days, was getting ready to move. And uh, you know how easy it is to find friends when it's time to, to move. It can be kind of tough. We, we have a challenge here, people are asking for help with move. It's kind of tough to find people. Um, schedules can be a part of that. Uh, but I was young and I didn't have back injury yet to use as an excuse. And I, I've, I had energy and um, and I didn't know him super well, and it was one of these things we had to drive like an hour one way back and forth to move like three or four times. So I was like, sure, I'll help you. And I was the only person that said it, and he was blown away by that. And it started a relationship where evangelism became a great part of it. That's one way that you can take and follow the spirit and start that and have an opportunity to start sharing the, the gospel. Um, sharing, uh, when I'm putting sharing there... Um, Kind of in the ballpark more of like with my finances, my resources, my time uh, that I can share with others so that they see, the kind of like with his amazement, that I would help him move when nobody else would. We have those opportunities in other areas as far as their needs. Uh, strengthen, when I think of strengthen, I'm thinking testimonies. We talked about that just a couple of weeks ago that you have multiple, multiple stories of God's goodness, of when something was one way and then Jesus stepped in and now it's this. Uh, again, we are uh, encouraged by those ourselves, but we're also responsible for those to other people. We can use our testimonies to strengthen others as another form of relational evangelism. And then show, show it was the gospel. Show them to Jesus. Show them to Jesus. Um, I remember we would said, like, I, I don't, uh, what if I don't know how to explain it, or what if I um, don't know? Um, and I was making the joke, literally, you could, Show and they say, you know, I just I, I don't get how you become a Christian. Uh, you could say, well, our stubborn, pain in the butt, middle-aged pastor says every week, if you acknowledge with your mouth, if you believe with your heart, you're God. I'm not. I'm following you. Then you are saved. That's all you got. That's all you need. The gospel is very much that simple. I, I, and I get being intimidated by that, but it, he really does make it that simple. It's not that scary. Once we get past it. And once you get used to it, it's even less scary. So relational is, I, I think, easier. Uh, I was listening to a podcast um, on my sabbatical, and a guy was talking about another guy that he did ministry with, and he's like, This guy is just an evangelist personality. He goes, we We're on a plane, and by the time we sat down and put on seatbelts, he's already in a conversation with the guy in the seat beside us about Jesus. And uh, he said, I'm just not, I, 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 don't, I don't naturally go that way. He goes, I find it easier to share Jesus over a dinner table than I do in an airplane. And I think it's where most of us are. If, if, you've not really, if you think back and I really haven't told anybody the gospel in the last year, a good place to start is relational. So start praying, start identifying people in your life that God's entrusted to you, and then just start following the Spirit in that. Um, next one, I'll give you this. This is, this is uh, the good question about talking to strangers. We'll go over to Acts 8. Uh, verse 26 and this one I think I shared with you not too long ago this is probably my favorite example in the scripture of evangelism when it comes to uh, strangers or people that you don't know Um, and it's Philip uh, right after they uh, he's been evangelizing in uh, Samaria um, and he uh, is coming off the high of that and they're going back to Jerusalem to celebrate it and God says not you Philip I want you to go on this trip and so um, that's where we're going to find uh, Philip and what happens on this particular trip. So this one's a, a little bit longer, but uh, has, it's just incredible if you think through it. Uh, starting out verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, a queen of Ethiopians. Uh, in church history, that, that's huge this guy ends up going back and starting a major revival with his authority uh, in, in Ethiopia. but uh, So he, he's under this queen of Ethiopians who is in charge of all the treasure. When he came to Jerusalem to worship, again, this is a Gentile worshiping in Jerusalem, and was returning, seated in this chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, didn't walk to him, didn't sneak up, he just Philip ran to the opportunity, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that they were reading was this like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Right. We we know that in the hindsight. We know that because we're good little boys and girls who are at the VBS. He has no clue. And verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is he talking about somebody else, or is he talking about himself? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and, uh, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. In other words, Philip disappeared. And he went, and the, the eunuch, not freaked out at all for some apparent reason, went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. And he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, If you've been with me, when I've gone more in-depth on this scripture, there's all kinds of good stuff in here. There's really, really good stuff. Uh, I love the fact that that God calls him to go to Gaza, but he had no intention for him ever to go to Gaza. He'll tell us to go to places just to get us where he's actually trying to get us, and then when that's done, he'll change pace. When you follow this map, he gets kind of close to Gaza, and then he appears over here, up north of Gaza, and then he goes north, and he never gets there. That was just not God's plan. He, he, he's crazy. God's crazy like that. And he's going to throw opportunities in your way to share Christ with strangers. It happens all the time if you're open to it. So I made another list. Yay. So I'll put that up for you. We'll talk about some of the components that we see here when it comes to new people. Um, the first thing is learning how to ask. Learning how to bring up that conversation in the first place when you're talking to somebody. Um... I have never really, I can't think of a time I ever had to create an opportunity to tell a stranger. There's always some kind of end. There's always something that they say. It's not like Tommy is talking about where somebody's going through tough times or they're, or they're, they're talking about just any, any, any multiple things. Uh, in, in this case, he's reading the scripture. And I've many times go, Pineo is a great place for people to take a look at the Bible like, Oh, hey, what are you studying, you know, to a stranger or whatnot? Do you understand what you're reading? It was just a very natural Holy Spirit leading moment. But not, the, the, the courage comes into the asking, usually starting, starting that conversation. And then listening. We, we, I, I know a lot of people get really, really excited about uh, sharing people the good news of Jesus Christ, but they don't have any time to actually listen to what that person's going through or listening to the Spirit, even, on what should I say and what shouldn't I say in this, this moment? How, how is this a natural? Like, and I think it comes into place, sometimes I, I think uh, there's all kinds of different evangelism plans out there, and evangelism books, resources that you can use, tracks, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, and I think some of that has its place, especially if you're just kind of getting out of the boat when it comes to sharing Jesus with people. Um, it might, might give you some, some pointers or whatnot. Uh, but when we count on methods instead of the Holy Spirit exclusively, then we usually are shoving them through a method instead of listening to what they're saying. Uh, so caring what they have to say, caring what they're going through. Uh, once a guy says, how, how can I understand this? Unless someone explains it, oh, I'm happy to explain that to you. he said, say, well, before you go to the Old Testament, that's a little rough. Let me tell you about what I've got to share. You know, it's just, okay, well, let me meet you there, and, and, and we'll go through that. Uh, Chris, can we go back to that list for you? Thank you. Uh, and then the, the uh, next one that you have is uh, speak. Speak. In um, verse 35, uh, then Philip opened his mouth. Again, that's an- another one that can be scary for us, but just do the speaking. Bring it up. Ask the question, See where they, they go from there and share the gospel with them. Uh, if you look at uh, verse 37, how many of you see a verse 37? Anybody? Have you all started reading the ESV like the pastor, so it doesn't sound weird when you read one thing and I say another? Verse 37 is one of those verses I've talked about before that they move to the bottom of the page because it's in some of the early manuscripts and it's not in all of the early manuscripts. So we cannot prove that it was originally there and then uh, omitted or whether or not it wasn't there and someone along the line added the phrase. But the phrase generally says that once the man says, what would stop me from being baptized? Philip says, have you accepted Jesus? as says, and forgive me your life, is basically what it is. That, 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 that method within that, that he was willing to ask that. Um, speaking is unbelievably important. If you invest time with somebody, uh, I personally think this is the most intimidating part, is taking and saying, what do you want to do with that? With what, what we just said, uh, do you want to accept Jesus in your life? Are you still thinking about things? Is there there anything else? Um, I think that's an unbelievably important question. Because, or else you really just, you planted a seed, but you didn't see if anything came from it. Um, And I can't tell you how many times I've asked that. We went from a conversation that I would just walk away from, and they'd be thinking about it, to them saying, yeah, I think I do want that. Now, they might say, well, I'm not there yet, or I still have questions, or I'm going to need some time. Great, awesome. I'm here if you need me. Maybe check, check base with them in a week. Say, hey, did you have any additional questions, or did you just, you know, what, what, what do you need? Because, again, we're not here to change people. We're here to lead them to Jesus, and so then Jesus does the rest. But asking them is extremely, extremely important and for those decisions, and we see that, that here. When Actually, the guy was so excited, he's the one that asked the question, which is pretty cool. So God will call you to talk to strangers. It just feel, it has a little bit of a different feel to it. Here's the one that freaked out some people. If you just turn the page or two, Acts 9. Uh, In Acts 9, we're going for uh, 19B. If you're familiar with people saying A and B after verse, it just means the second half of the verse. Um, There is another story here, and I want to talk to you about what um, happens when you speak to masses of people all at the same time. How many people would just love that opportunity to get up here and just talk? And mic's with me. Not too many people? Oh, Chuck's good, we're good. Three of us go out and have Pentecost and you guys go get ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too many of you were excited about that. That was supposed to be a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing, uh, for a lot of us it is intimidating to talk to the masses. Uh, here's the other funny thing. God will probably do it to you sooner or later. God will probably do it to you sooner or later. And, um, it's, uh, it, and we're always uh, in the, the habit of trying to say yes to him more than no, right? So that's why I annoy certain people when I make them get up here on Sunday mornings and talk to, uh, to continue us stretching ourselves a little bit. But here's one, um, well, a young man who's used to talking to the masses, but not about Jesus. We're going to talk about Saul a little bit, uh, starting in 19B. Saul, uh, most of you guys probably know, Saul was um, in the, the good guy, good guy, good guy, bad guy land of things was a bad guy. He was very zealot for God. He was a very zealot Jewish man, hated Christianity, um, and at the beginning of the church was having Christians arrested and also given authorization to have them killed because of their faith, and then one day God got a hold of him and knocked him down the ground onto his back, laid him out, made him look up, and he had an experience with Jesus Christ, and he changed his life, gave himself to Jesus. If you ever think somebody's too far gone to come to Jesus, you're wrong. Uh, Saul is an example of that. And this is a uh, moment that's very, very soon after that. Uh, a matter of fact, this is exactly what happens right after his conversion. So again, halfway through 19. It says, for some days, Saul, or Paul, uh, was with the disciples at Damascus. And by the way, he's in Damascus because he went to the, uh, let's see, the, like here, here not long after this, you're going to see like he goes to Jerusalem to see the apostles and they won't see him because they're scared. This is how holy it was. But, but at this point, he spent some time with the disciples at Damascus, the place he was going to, to arrest them. Uh, immediately, verse 20, Paul proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And, as, and has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in his strength and confounded the Jews who were living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. The the proving was in the change in his testimony that he had. So in this case, he's preaching to the masses within the synagogues. Very shortly after this, if you continue reading, and I encourage you to do so, um, great examples of him preaching to the masses when he's on trial when he's put, uh, at, the, at the synagogues in front of the court and that he was bold in how, how he spoke to them. Uh, so we will have opportunities at different times in our lives to speak to the masses uh, and be part of their testimony. So made another little list off of that. And you can put this one like in your phone so like, that moment comes up, you can go, oh, crap, what year was that? Okay, uh, boldness, you need boldness. You do not see Saul taking and pulling back here in any way, shape, or form. Even though if anybody ever had a reason to pull back and be timid and intimidated by the crowd, Saul was the man. He was coming to arrest them and kill them and showed up saying, let me tell you about Jesus. It was a complete change. Complete change. Half the people didn't believe it. The apostles didn't believe it. People were scared. People didn't want to hang out with him. The first time we see Paul getting (coughs) an opportunity, bless you, Brent. The the real opportunity to be able to uh, do ministries because Barnabas brought him in at Antioch with a bunch of Gentiles that nobody else wanted to work with because nobody wanted to work with Saul. But he came out bold. And we need to be able to be bold about our faith. Uh, Second thing is biblical. Make sure our boldness is biblical. Uh, And with the word of God, one of the other things I like about this particular section, but we're going to see more. Saul had the benefit of knowing the Old Testament frontwards and backwards because of its Jewishness. But he was learning Jesus. So there wasn't a lot that he could say, well, when I was with Jesus and this miracle happened, this was what he taught us. He didn't have that in his bank. So he's being bold, but his, at that very first start, he has about as much information as the blind man who was made able to see again. Tell us about this Jesus. I don't know. I didn't even see the guy. All I know is I was blind and now I see. So I know he's powerful. I know he is who he says he is. That's what Saul has. He is God. I can prove it to you because I am the proof. So he stayed biblical with his Old Testament teachings as we see in his um, further debates but then also brought back to biblical who Jesus was and all things. And then be believable. He was under scrutiny for years. Years because of his past. And some of us will have those kind of ripple effects in our own lives and that's okay. God got him through it. He's going to get us through it. God would take the ugly things and turn them beautiful. He will do the same thing with all they did with us. So we have to be believable. We have seen far too many religious leaders and pastors fall greatly who we used to see on our TV screens and our podcasts and read their books because they weren't believable. And God only puts up with that for a certain amount of time and they needed laid out themselves to be looked up. So that, th- those are some of the things I bring in there. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this scripture um, on the screen, Mark thirteen eleven. If Don't get it. There you go. Um, if you are, like, freaked out by that in any way, shape, or form, uh, this is what Jesus told them. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand uh, what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that we have in Christ. Uh, now, granted, that talks exactly about trials and you being delivered over for judgment because of your faith. We don't have to deal with that, at least at this point, so much um, as far as the courts, but I think we do all the time when it comes to our, our nation and our walks and our evangelism to people uh, that, that we are always on trial. And, uh, and there, there are those who would be more happy to deliver you over to pain and anguish because of who you are and who you follow. Um, the the promise, I think, is legit to any moment. I can't imagine Jesus is saying, well, if you're on trial, I'm there with you. But if it's just day-to-day at lunch, I'm really too busy. You know, it doesn't really happen. So boldness is a big part of this as well, getting past that fear, moving past that fear. Um, now, I'm not going to make you – well, I'll make you go there. Yeah, let's read this one. Ephesians 6. So one, Part of the question could be, okay, but I don't know how to really start in all in all this, like how to bring it up. Like, I, I think, I know many people that live a life, literally, I'm ready to tell people about Jesus so they come up and they say, hey, can you tell me how I can be saved in Jesus? Yeah, let me get my note card out. You know, like, and that, that's it. Th- this is a mission that we're on constantly. Uh, and I have had people come up and ask me that question. Very, very seldom. Most of the time, it starts with a conversation. Um, and so the question becomes, how do I find this? Or how do I live it in such a way that these conversations come up? Um, So, Ephesians 6, does anybody know what we're about to read? What's covered in the section? What is it, Neil? Full armor of God. Yeah, full full armor of God, full armor of God. Uh, Let me read this and I'll give you another list. Okay, finally, and again, this is Paul, this is Saul speaking that we just read about as he now plans his churches, put in leaders, and he's encouraging them through letters. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me repeat that because I'm not sure what you're going through today, and I just want to make sure you kind of got a good feel for what's going on. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We are wrestling against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Lost my place. Ah, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The next list is basically just taking out the metaphors. If you're living a life that, call, that Paul calls us to in Ephesians, you're going to be strong in Christ. Okay, I'm going to put my, my thought process, I'm going to have my focus, I'm going to lean into being strong in Him, and that's the way you live your life. If you get ready for the spiritual battles and understand that that's a lot more than just get paying the bills and getting through the day, and you understand that we are part of a mission, that we are part of a calling, that we are part of God's plan to save this world and those around us, and we understand the spiritual battles aspect of it, and then we choose to stand which is a bold stance in and of itself. I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to do what I'm called to do. And you stand in truth. You stand in gospel, which means there should be peace in your life. That doesn't mean the circumstances are peaceful, but the gospel of peace and that you're sharing peace with others, that's solution to the peace what they need. You have salvation yourself all of this is kind of for naught if you've not accepted Jesus as leader, forgiven your life, and I invite you to take a moment and talk to him about that and say, I need you. I want you, and have that salvation in your life to give him that crap that you've been holding on to, the stuff that you've been trying to manage of yourself, salvation. Uh, I'm going to jump up because I took out vote of righteous. If I'm living in righteousness, doesn't mean I'm always perfect, but it means I am keep coming back to it, keep being honest about it, I keep being humble about it live in faith, being assured of the things I cannot see and of the things that, that I hope for, that I trust that God is going to use me, that God is going to keep his promises and he's got me in his hands, uh, that I'm staying in the word of God and that that's my protection. And that's my, it's a sword, which is also a defense and an offense, a defense and an offense. Uh, be alert. Uh, prayers is huge, Did you, if you saw that in there. I, I truly believe, and I, I continue to encourage, and I can't say that I'm perfect on this, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. Holy Spirit, show me who you want me to reach out today and show me how to do it every day, every day. Uh, being alert, watching those things, watch out the Spirit moves. Supplication is basically intercession. Supplication, he, he says, for the saints, which means for their, their leadership and for brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Um uh, Think about the last time you prayed for somebody that didn't come through on the prayer chain on the text. Uh, supplication for one another. And then bold. Real children of God. Real are supposed to be confident, not cocky. Real, we have an answer to what else humankind, and we should not be hiding it. We shouldn't be scared of it. We shouldn't be butts about it. That's where the 100% love part comes in, right? But we need to be bringing the 100% truth as well. I love the fact that right after I use Paul as an example of boldness, He says, Will you pray that I'm bold like I ought to be? Will you you pray that I have the words and that I'm not scared to share them? Paul, of all people, I've never seen that boy not be bold in any of these scriptures. A guy punches you up against the wall and punches you as the heart of a Kansas City chief football player. What? You don't like them? She does? You don't? don't. you weren't listening. Oh, don't don't put Ally on the spot. Do you like Kansas City? I like Taylor Swift and she I'm being honest. No, no, I think that's I think that's really awesome because you know some of us need Jesus more than others. So we'd we'll be praying and offering supplications. Taylor I know you like Taylor Swift. Take it off. Don's like look at me. I'm hip. I know Taylor Swift is. <laughs> so I encourage you and I pray for you that we are impacting others, whether it be through the relational, whether it be strangers, whether it be to the masses. Uh, it will be done in your shape. If you remember I was talking about that just recently and how God made you to be, He will not put you in a situation that you, He will not use you in. He might stretch your boundaries a little bit, but He will not snap you in half. I promise you. I promise you. And I do know people that have lost, I, I know somebody in our church that their mother pretty much disowned them because they became a Christian. I'm not trying to make light of it, at all. But I pray that you're bold, and I pray that you can share in these experiences. I, I shared online um, on Facebook, you guys might have, might have seen it, because um, I, I really, I believe there's nothing like it. One of the examples was at the, uh, when I go up to Mohican for my, my annual sabbatical, um, there's a young lady that works there, who in the restaurant, she's been uh, been there for over 30 years, and uh, and who and I have struck up a friendship. So she remembers me too. I remember her, and, and uh, I went down, and she's always just there for breakfast and lunch. I went down for breakfast the, the second day, and she was nowhere to be found. I'm like, oh Donna, I hope she didn't move on, Cause it was just, I mean, it's just that steady. She just always was there. And the other, other uh, waitress said, well, no, her, her dad's not doing well. And so she's off today. She's at the hospital. It's like, okay. So I came down the next day, and that was the day I was leaving. So it was like an hour before I left. And Lois was there. And I was like, do you, do you remember me? She goes, yeah, I, I remember you. I said, well, I just, I'm getting ready to leave, but I didn't want to miss seeing you. And she immediately, because she, she also knows I'm a pastor. And uh, she immediately started having tears, started flowing. So I put my hand out, and she put her hands up my hand, and we talked for a little while about what's going on with her dad. Um, and she mentioned within it, uh, th- this, is, this is where it, it's, some of these things start coming into play. She goes, uh, when I was talking about praying for her, she goes, I, I appreciate that. I don't know how God feels about me right now. That's listening. I said, well, I can tell you how he feels about you right now. I don't know what you're referring to. I don't know if you've walked away or what the case may be, but I can tell you how he feels about you, and that's where we started. And within that, uh, she also mentioned she goes. Well, I, I get. I, I, I watch Oprah every night. Shake it off, shake, shake. Um, I'm not an Oprah fan. Oprah is very much new age. She believes all religions lead to the same God, and just whatever works for you works for you. So I'm not. I'm not a big fan. And. Uh, and, and I said to her, I said, uh, uh, "Well, I was like, I, I get why you would like Oprah." I said, "But the problem, the problem is, is, she has this falsehood, and that she thinks all religions are the same, but there's just way too many contradictions within it." And uh, she goes, "That's why I get confused." It's like, okay, well, let's let's move to there. I said, "I'll tell you what. You, can you give me five minutes, and I'll be back?" She said, "Yes." Yeah. So I went up to the fireplace, my spot, not across the way from your spot and um, wrote down some scriptures. Um, you could probably guess what the first one was, M- Romans 10, if you acknowledge it with your mouth. Uh, and I wrote that one out and I gave some other scriptures that uh, were uh, just encouraging scriptures for the time she was going through. And um, I had taken a different Bible with me because this thing myself so honking huge and uh, took one of the ones that we keep new if anybody ever needs one uh, with me, ESV, and I, I put it with that and took it down to her and. Uh, we talked a little bit more and prayed with her. She had all my contact information and, uh, and left. And it was, it was fruitful. And uh, there was follow-up to it, if she wants to continue follow-up. But she said, you know, you're not the first person to walk in these doors during this time. that represented God. I said, oh, I have no doubt that I'm not, because he's mindful of you. He's mindful of what you're going through, and he just wants to make sure you know. Uh, those opportunities are all, around us all the time, and to be part of those those testimonies, whether it's a planting a seed, or a watering seed, or seeing the harvest, it's a beautiful way to live, and it's a lot more fulfilling than the other stuff that this world has to offer to us.
0: If you were blessed by today's teaching. We hope you return for our next podcast, or better yet, stop by the Shepherds Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherds Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.